0: After 25 years in the fashion industry, I've realized that fashion is not really about the clothes, it's about the people. I'm Laura Van Root and this is What We Wore. Andrew Ginn personifies joy and the idea that life is a gift. Prepare to hang on his every word as you learn more about his magical career over the last 26 years in fashion, or just get lost in the warmth of his laughter. Andrew again my old friend my old young friend I am so excited to have you on the podcast and so excited to have you back in the store what a treat
1: I know it's just like it's so wonderful we're like reunited <laughs> you know we've been through a lot both of us but I think it's all good did we
0: meet through Elizabeth von der Goltz? did she introduce us
1: Yes, I think you you went, if I recall correctly, you went to college with Elizabeth, you went to school with Elizabeth. Yes, I did, high school. Yeah, and Elizabeth has always been like a great friend of mine, (laughs) she's like my little sister, and obviously you came in and, you know, we're part of the family. And I remember seeing you, no, no, the last time I saw you, I met you in my my office, but the, the other time was actually at a wedding.
0: Oh, yes, exactly. You're right. Yeah, And I think, and I almost think Andrew, the first time we met was at dinner. I feel like that's the first time I met you, but I loved you instantly. And you've also been to Charlotte. You've been into my house. We had, we had a party in the house.
1: It was amazing. I love, I love Charlotte. I was staying at the mansion. Remember?
0: Yes. At Duke, the Duke mansion. Well, Charlotte loves you. They need to have you come back soon.
1: And you did such a beautiful dinner for me. I always remember it was so Aww. beautiful. And thank you. Thank you so much.
0: We'll come back soon. I will. Andrew, remind me, I think you're from Singapore. Is that correct?
1: I was born in Singapore and I am three-quarter Chinese and one-quarter Japanese. And and yes, and, and I... I went to fashion school in St Martins at St Martins in London and and then I did a year of exchange program when I while I was at St Martins at Parsons New York and I completed my fashion studies by doing an MA in Milan with Domus Academy
0: well, I want to hear a little bit more about Singapore. I mean, are, did your parents grow up there? What, what what's it like? I mean, what was it like growing up there? And what was your first memory of fashion?
1: Well, it's interesting. My father, my father was actually originally from China, and my mother is the one who's one half Japanese and half Chinese. My mother was born in Singapore, my, while my dad migrated uh, migrated from from China. It's interesting because my father was was a merchant. Well, he passed away many years ago. He was a merchant and he was traveling a lot in Southeast Asia. And my very first memory was he would bring back the most amazing batiks from um, hand-painted, hand-dyed batiks from Indonesia. And then Japanese kimono silk and obi. Chinese silk, you know, all sort of fancy, amazing things from Southeast Asia for, to my mom. And my mom would bring all these fabrics to, like, her kit tailor and have them made into that Chinese costume, the Chinese dress called Qi pao. You know, that dress that was worn repeatedly by uh, Maggie Chung in A Mood of Love, you yes. know, that, that traditional Chinese dress. She'll make them, she'll use the batik to transform them to into, into, um, a chi pao, and she'll make little tire in it. She'll make little little sheave dresses in it. And it was so interesting. For me, it's very magical seeing all these two dimensional fabric being transformed into something which is complete completely three dimensional. Mm. So, and also, my mother was very elegant and um, she wore a lot of Chanel. And Saint Laurent and also um Valentino and junior And I always remember that when I was a kid in the 70s, um, she we went to New York together and she was shopping with that store called Martha. Oh yeah. And and Martha was carrying like Bill Glass, Jeffrey Bean. It was the first time I saw American designers. So as a kid, I was so I was fascinated by the whole like fashion and all that. So I it, it's always in the back of my mind that, you know, I can do something with, with those beautiful frocks and might want to design them. I was always toying with to the idea when while growing up. I love art as well. And I, I always say to myself that, you know, it's either art or fashion. And I've decided finally to design, to use, to design clothing to so make it as my profession, as my work, and then make collecting as my hobby. And I think that's a perfect combination.
0: And, and you're really good at both of them.
1: <laughs> I'm actually a bully meat buyer, they would call me. I'm obsessed with uh, buying art and everything. And it's, yeah, it's really <laughs> crazy.
0: <laughs> and do you remember going with your mom to the tailor and were you opinionated? I mean, do you remember saying, I think it should be shorter or move the buttons or any of that? Or just a, uh, you were just observing?
1: I was observing, I was kind of shy in the beginning, but, you know, growing up and then, you know, and, and I started saying that it's true. Like what you said, I was like, mom, you might want to turn that green silk into a tire rather than making the chal because <laughs> I believe that that actually looks better. And I think you can trim it tone on tone, you know, and make it less fussy and you can wear that And it all comes very softly and swiftly. And I remember... That was those were my very early um, fashion experience, and and in Singapore there were like about two or three at a time. Only two or three. It's a small country. There were two or three uh, specialty stores, and one of them being uh, called Men and There's Women. And it was my early fashion experience. I saved a lot of money to buy my first Kenzo Zuha pants, <laughs> my first B Bloss. Remember the label called Yes, of course,
0: of course, of course.
1: I bought my first B-bloss tuxedos, even though I wore it once. And I bought my first um, Johnny Versace sweater. You know, I saved up all this money and bought them, uh, you know, a markdown. And I was very happy. Yeah. And I was 12 or 13 years old. And those were my early, early memories.
0: And Andrew, you went to boarding school early.
1: Yes. My parents sent me to boarding school when I was 10 and a half. My my brother left when he was nine.
0: Wow! <laughs> and it, where in in the UK or where did you in leave? the UK?
1: Yes, in the UK, Stratford upon Avon.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Well, that must have been a culture shock, or a, <laughs> just a just a shock altogether.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Well it, was, well, it was a very pleasant surprise because coming from an exotic Singapore is hot and humid all year round. Yeah, and it's really frustrating because you wear something nice. <laughs> I was wanted to wear a jacket. My dream was to wear cashmere when I was a kid. And it was never the case. So when I arrived in in, in England, it was so cold. We could put on coats and hats and, and boots and everything. It was a swinging, you know, 70s. I was so happy. To experience winter, it was such an experience for me. A boy from a tropical country, honey. You know, it's quite an experience.
0: My, my mother's from Florida and all of my cousins are from Florida and they, their winter wardrobe um, for traveling is so much bigger <laughs> than their summer wardrobe. They, they love cashmere. It's so funny. From boarding school, where did you go to university and when did you start to get the idea that maybe you wanted to do fashion?
1: I went from boarding school after that I went back to Singapore to serve my military service. Oh wow! For two and a half years, yes, I do know how to use a rifle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but actually, it's funny you say that because I really am seeing some. I, I didn't know that you did that, and I can see that in the clothes a little bit—some epaulettes and things like that, and yeah. buttons. I really, yeah. I can see a little bit of that. Wow, that must talk about again culture shock. That must have been crazy to go back to that.
1: <laughs> yes. That was that was quite, but you know, that that two two years of military service actually I used that time to figure out exactly what, what I wanted to do because I was preparing myself to a dossier of the drawings and all that to present it to St. Martin's to try to enter in St. Martin's. And at the same time, I was in my mind, in the back of my mind, I was trying to apply for that a course at the VNA and Victorian Albert Museum in London to become either a curator for the museum or working for an auction auction house. And I finally decided that you know what, I really love fashion and this is exactly what I want to do. And so I made up my mind and I went to for an interview at St. Martin's. They took me in and I went in as a student in the uh, in the 80s. It's really interesting. And I, I arrived in London in 1986, 87. And so London was so different from London today. I mean, Camden town and, you know, all the vintage clothing, and all of us were like, you know, all the fashion was we so excited by everything. It was quite an experience. And I think London really taught me how to dream. And then New York taught me, you know, that fashion is a business. And at the end, Milan taught me a lot about the industry, about productions, about you know that's what they're very good at. And I'm, I'm, I must say that I've been extremely lucky to be able to attend all the different colleges in three major fashion cities. And I think that really enriches my vision and my the way I work.
0: You know, I always think. Going away from home makes you appreciate and understand home more. And so, being away in these very different places—New York, and Milan, London—how did it make you think about Asia? Um, and did did Asia show up again in your work?
1: And I think I think, despite the fact that I'm based in Paris and I'm considered as a Singaporean designer based in Paris, my heart and my roots as pure Asian. Anything I've never left home. My heart has always been that. And it it seems, it seems to come back all the time in my work because I think I, for example, I'm obsessed with the perfection and the execution of of the design of my own design and the details. And there are lots of things that I pay a lot of spend a lot of time designing uh, with my team. It's really quite Asian because it's a quest, constant, constant quest for beauty and perfection that really drives me. And that's really my motto. I, I think I have a fairly strong signature, but I sort of and and it's this quest of beauty, but obviously I evolve a lot, and that's why fashion is so interesting. I've chosen that as as my profession because I feel it's extremely challenging because you have to reinvent yourself all the time even more so now because people get blessed quite quite fast and you need to get them interested in your work and and to you know know what what's the new thing what's the latest even more so with social media Mm. and so I feel that that is really it's very challenging but again That's the wonderful part of this work, because we are constantly reinventing and something new around the corner all the time. And it keeps me going. And so I really think that I've chosen the right thing for my life. And I love what I'm doing.
0: I love that. There's a quote that I saw from you. Everything is about timing. Never do anything unless you're ready for it.
1: That basically, I mean, I, when I was young yeah, in 1997, and I, I had, I learned a really a lesson um, because as a young, struggling designer, the House of Balma came and proposed a very important position to me, being the uh, creative director of the Ready to Wear, uh, designing the Ready to Wear uh, for the House of Balma, alongside with Mr. Oscar de La Renta doing the haute couture at the time. And obviously, without even thinking about it, I was like, oh, my God, yes, I'm all for it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, I'm here. I want to do it. And it turns out to be a big flop because I think I was not ready for it. And and that was a very, very important lesson. It taught me that timing is so important. Never do something whenever you're not ready for it. But you know what? I came up fine. It was just like having, a you know, some actor who had a really bad film and you go and do another good film and it's fine, it's all
0: good. (laughs) And when you look back on the collection, was it a flop? It was a flop commercially or editorially or what? Because when you look back at the clothes, do you still think that they were a failure?
1: No, I think the clothings were good. Mm. And in fact, looking back, there were some great ideas in it. It was actually the show. And Uh. that's why it's interesting that sometimes a lot of, the press and bias judged from a show. And and the show went wrong. It was just went wrong. We had a, a, the, a stylist who's, who was very good, but was not very experienced, just like me, it was one of the very first few uh, big shows that she did. And the the lighting went wrong. The casting wasn't great. And I always remember, but people could remember, like even until now, Susie Mankus was telling me, all I could remember <laughs> of, from that show was some... Happies from the model fell down and <laughs> someone picked up it, it became a hairball. <laughs> and it was at that time everybody was there. I mean, you know, everybody from American Vogue, I mean, uh, Anna was there, Andrea was there, even Isabella Blow was still alive then, and she was there, and all the silly makers there. And everybody gave it a ton down, and the show went really, really wrong, and some, everything just went wrong. So you know, I mean, you know, it's looking back, it doesn't matter. It's just, just a stat. And in live, there's so many moments. It was just one of the moments, but, and and I came up fine. I'm very happy.
0: And do you remember after the show, did they have sort of a, a, did they have a recap and did everybody get in trouble and they say this, this was wrong, this was wrong, or is it from your own self-reflection that you remembered?
1: It was quite shocking, especially for a young person. You sort of (laughs) think that, oh my God, oh my God, it's the end of my career. And (laughs) And then and then they obviously they wrote a really big check I took the check uh, and it was really great for a small struggling designer and for me at the time. And um, a season after I was picked up by Colette. Oh wow. And, and yes, and, and Colette picked me up from the very from the very beginning, from from, from the very beginning. So that's why I always say that I owe it to them, my, my success, because they saw something, they picked me up, they picked up the line, and they allowed me to do a show in the store uh, eight months after, and that was quite something, and to support me even further, they did three consecutive uh, Fashion Week windows at Colette. and at the time it was really incredible, I mean, it yeah. was you know a very important store, and it, it, it brought that whole new idea about lifestyle, and you know, and, 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 and it's a new generation of store. And, and I think a lot of us owe um, our, you know, our industry to them today. And it's interesting because it's another point of view. It's a new way of seeing things.
0: Absolutely. And
1: they very kindly um, uh, promoted me and without any, you know, it was so, so good. And, and it's a very special store. And then, you know, and then you pick me up the, one of the most special store in the U S and you know, (laughs) So so amazing.
0: Oh well, let's take a couple st- steps back. I want to hear um, after Central Saint Martin's. H- how did you? How did you start? Did you have a job right out of college?
1: No, in fact, after Saint Martin's, I went to uh, do an MA in Domus Academy. Oh. so I did my MA uh, before I and I graduated, and then I was offered two jobs. I, I went for interviews like in different different houses. I was coming to. Paris and I was going to Rome and all that. So I was offered a job being the personal assistant of Mr. Valentino. Oh my god. That, yeah, it was a big, <laughs> it's a big deal. And I always remember going to waiting to see Mr. Valentino. I mean, he was going from one room to another and he had a boy wearing white gloves opening the doors for him. And it was just incredible. Like they, they call it the <laughs> the call of exactly. <laughs> the amber. exactly. The amber room. And and then I also, I was also offered a job by Mr. Emmanuel Ungaro from Paris. He was so special. Uh, That was, that was a very special moment. So I said, you know what, Rome, I love, but it is a smaller city. And Paris is so exciting, and I've always wanted to live in Paris because I saw Paris the first time when I came with the bottom school on a school trip, and I said, the city of life is so gorgeous. It's consistently yeah. beautiful. undestroyed, untouched by the Second World War. It's just incredible. I want to live here. And so I said, you know what? Instead of going to Rome, I'm going to move to Paris. So I accepted the job at Ungaro and moved here and never regretted it. You know, every, what? I'm enjoying, I'm still enjoying Paris. I love Paris.
0: Tell me what you learned at Ungaro. He was, he was such a fabulous, incredible designer and, and <laughs> an amazing man, really.
1: Uh, Being anal. <laughs> <laughs> he was the most, like, like most, he's such a perfectionist. Yeah. I mean, wow. There were four of us uh, being in his assistants. And there was Vejoni with Sabrina and Ryotso, another Japanese boy. And we'll take turns to assist him mm. because Monsieur would always work on his toile and we'll be holding needles and helping him to pin the toile, to work on the toile for the couture and also for the ready-to-wear. He works in a very old-fashioned way, just like Balenciaga. He worked in Balenciaga before. Uh. And so he did uh. exactly the same thing, such precision in the in 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 the seamings, in in the placement, in the, the straight grains, going with the with the bias and the buyers, uses your buyers. I learned a lot of secrets about clothing making with him, yeah. and I think that is absolutely precious because you don't really realize it. You sort of hated it because you wanted to design like fun things and you, <laughs> know, you wanted to go in and do things. But you know, it's like going back to school and those sort of things that you don't really learn in, while you're in a fashion college because these are reality. And these are things that are truly luxurious. To be able to, to sit there and work on the garment for such a long time just for that one dress. Sometimes you drape for like two or three days only on one toile for one specific gown. Could you imagine? I mean, you know, talk about slow fashion. And that <laughs> is a great example of slow fashion.
0: Well, and I think one thing that you definitely share with Ungaro is a joy and a, a real love of women. That's very, yes. very clear in your work. There's such a there's such a joy to what you do and what he did.
1: I want to make a woman beautiful, and that's important. Sounds so old so fashioned, but it's actually that-
0: not. I mean, I it's, it's pretty. Of yeah, exactly. It's crazy I don't that you have to, t- to
1: say, "I want to be ugly." Please make me ugly. <laughs>
0: I've also really admired, Andrew, your perseverance and as you've faced health issues in the last few years because we both had our, our health um, scares. T- tell me <laughs> about that period in your life and, and how you came out of it differently.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I, that was quite something. Um, in fact, I had two health scares in my life. In two, 2015, I had a huge open heart surgery because one of the valves of my heart was infected by bec- with, by bacteria and i have to you know is a mechanical valve and because of that i have to take blood thinner for the rest of my life and because of the blood thinner i had a stroke oh my um, god yeah i had a stroke and last year and half of my body was actually paralyzed and uh, it took me about 6 months to come back and to be able to to move my hands and now I can design I can draw and I think the joy of um, in fact on my Instagram I posted once I say it's a joy to be able to stand up and you know use a pair of scissors to cut flowers and arrange flowers and start drawing again it's such joy it's such something like that you you never really understand the joy of it until you've lost that privilege right and uh, being able to be, being able to walk around and to draw and to, to eat my wonton soup with chopsticks, <laughs> it, it is a joy. Yeah.
0: yeah, it sounds like your stroke and the recovery oddly didn't slow you down at all. Are there things? Uh, that, <laughs> were there adjustments that you made in your life or your lifestyle? That uh, things that you changed, uh, or did Eric force you to slow down?
1: I'm a foodie, and in fact. A lot of people, like Elizabeth, would call me the panda, and a lot of me <laughs> the panda because I I love food and I spend most of the time fantasizing about creating a new dish, uh, going to the new restaurants. And whenever I'm like trying to adjust my weight by eating less, and I'll be watching a lot of cooking programs on YouTube, which is a real torture for me. <laughs> and you know the stroke is has given me a new perspective in my life because i have to re-watch what i'm eating and Mm -hmm. i have to watch my weight and um i see my doctor once once a month it's quite boring it's a very strict person is like going to see the headmaster of your school (laughs) and you weigh me and i always says oh shit must you weigh me all the time whenever i see you (laughs) and And, and also I walk strange because, you know, even though I can walk freely and I walk, I can walk well now, but I still have a little cripply thing when I don't pay attention. So there are little things like that, which makes it less convenient when I do Mm -hmm. something, but in a way, you know, it strengthened me. It gives me so much more strength and, you know, I'm not being brought down by that situation I just feel that you know it's a gift that I'm still alive you know after I'm sure it's the same thing for you uh Laura yeah yeah. you know staying alive is it's it's really a gift and life is so wonderful Even, even though that is life is very short but you know we I just feel very happy being alive and the other day it was so sunny in Paris we were walking in this beautiful garden called Jardin albakan mm. and they have a Japanese garden and all the camellias are in full bloom with the cherry blossoms with and you know it was such, such, such joy the sun was shining and you know you know whenever you're down you know when you go out and see this and you say you know after all life is not that bad we are all still alive and we're not like those poor, poor Ukrainians suffering in a country during the war. We're all so lucky. Yeah. So in a way, life is a blessing. It is a blessing that we're still alive.
0: Were you ever afraid that you, that you didn't want to come back to it? I mean, I, I definitely had a period when I was sick that I thought, well, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. You know, maybe I don't have the heart for it or the, the stamina to, to do it. Because fashion is a real fight. You know, it's it's not an easy job. <laughs> It's
1: a bitch, you want to say? <laughs> it's a bitch, but we love it. We love it, Laura. We love it so much. We love you know? it so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have it's to say.
1: It's like a really difficult lover. You say, like, you know, I hate you, or I hate you, but then I can't leave you because I love you so much. And that's really the loving relationship, Laura. It's so true. And I think both of us, both of us is actually, we're like that, you know? And I think, being able to bring something beautiful to this world, it's one of the most important thing. And I think I can't live without beauty myself. I can't imagine myself living without beauty. And it's such joy doing things that we're doing. No, no. I Taffy want to continue. And I'm very happy doing it.
0: It's a, a rare career that you bring such joy to your clients. You know, I, I always say that to oh. my masseuse, so I'm like, this must be a great job because everybody's so happy when they see you and you make them feel so much better. but you you are the same way with your clothes. And I also think one of the things that's interesting about you and has always been your one of your biggest strengths is that you spend a lot of time doing things for for, for private clients. And so you spend a lot of time with your clients, which I do think is uh, unusual. And has given you so much, such a different perspective, I think, than most people that we
1: work with. And I think it's, in fact, and enjoy talking to people and I also enjoy sharing ideas with people. And um, the, the biggest joy of this job is I'll be able to meet all my clients and they, sometimes they're my friends and to be able to understand what they need and what they like and what they don't like, and um, to be able to design for them and make them beautiful. And also, I, I really enjoy, you know, contact with people. That's why the past two years with the pandemic is really difficult because, you know, you're sort of like isol- being very isolated. Everything is done on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Everything is done on, you know, we had Zoom cocktails, Zoom lunch, <laughs> everybody has their own food in front of you eating on your own and um i just miss you know having contact with people and most probably it's also um like the old ways because bill glass and mr oscar de la Renta and mr valentino know all the customers yeah and i remember uh, that short period of time when i was with oscar de la Renta. mrs de la would say oh I know that Daniel Steele will love this. <laughs> I think that Lynn White will like that. And I think that Ned you Kempner know, will be going for this. <laughs> and, you know, it's the same thing because when I design a collection, um, I would say, oh, that is for New York and that is for Charlotte. And this is for Texas. <laughs> and I think the love colors in the West Coast and of the South, that so we're doing more colors. And then this is for uh, Riyadh. This is for Dubai. So I have an idea and it's not a bad thing a lot of thing, people think that you think that way it's a bad thing and i said no because it's when you design something you want it to be worn by real people yeah it's not something to be only shot by a magazine and no one wants it and what's the whole point i mean you might as well do art And, you know, like what Mr. Lagerfeld used to say, fashion is just fashion is not architecture, not fine art. And it is a form of art, but then it is something that makes you very happy. You go out and that's the whole, whole joy of it, you know.
0: It's funny, Lisa, my friend Lisa, who is a longtime client of yours, um, just bought a gown this week and she was trying it on and she said, oh my gosh, I've missed Andrew so much. And she said, how does he just know how to do, you know, the cuff like this and the belt like this and all this? And I just said, I, I think because he knows his clients, like he he knows yeah, what women want. And she was so relieved. And uh, anyway, it was such a joy to, to watch her and to watch how happy she was trying on your clothes.
1: Did she come to the gym? yes distant. yes <laughs> yes exactly very chic lady very yeah, chic still very yeah. chic and
0: another great asset that i think you have is eric who yes. has been with you for a, a long time and, and tell me about that relationship and and how he balances your creativity and and what that's been like
1: <laughs> 27 years 27 wow. long years yeah i know he, I would say that he's my director. So he's the one who's tightening up the tap, and I'm the spender, And, um, which I'm sure it's the same, the same, you know, always the same, the same situation, a couple, he is a very strong person. He encourages me all the time. And he will tell me, I think he's the only person who will tell me you shouldn't be doing this because this is ugly. This is a mistake. <laughs> And I will fight back and say no, it's not true. And most probably three days after that, I say, you know what, Eric, I think you're right. <laughs> and I'm very impulsive. I'm I'm always full of my own. I'm, I'm you know I'm filled up with my instincts. And and you know how creative people are. We have to have a lot of faith in ourselves. Yes. We never see anything faulty about ourselves. And he's the one who'll be able to come and say, look, listen, don't do this because I think you know this is not good. This is not-. so he's very very good in that and i must say that we are we have a perfect relationship because we work together we live together and um but then we managed to have an extremely balanced and very loving uh relationship and until now we love each other even more more and more
0: yeah and especially especially through struggles and i do know you also have the same taste in collecting
1: Thank God.
0: <laughs> Which I, I, I mean I, I I am the same with my husband, and I think it's been it's been one of the most rewarding parts of our relationship is collecting together and to, to talk about yes. what we you know, what pieces we like and why and what we don't like and sometimes we agree and a lot of times we don't. <laughs> but it's been a really important
1: it was, part. It makes shopping easier.
0: Andrew, you're you're coming on twenty five years of your business.
1: Yes. How more. amazing. That's yeah. in 1996. And so it should be 2022. 20, no, or more, 26 years. And in fact, I have a scoop for you. And you might be the <laughs> first person. One of the first people would who know is that the Singapore Civilization Museum in Singapore and the Ministry of Culture are honoring me next year in Singapore
0: oh, wow. by
1: a big retrospective.
0: I mean that must feel amazing. That that was what I actually part of what I was going to ask is what are you most proud of in these twenty six years?
1: Well, that makes me very proud of many many moments, but that is really proud because there's nothing better than being reckon, your your work being recognized by your own country, your own people, and um, so alongside with the exhibition, obviously there will be a catalog, and then there will also be a biography, and then most probably a film. Oh, wow. Yes.
0: Andrew, why do you think that your designs have stood the test of time?
1: You know what, Laura? I've always wanted, I think, for example, this season you have all the Carl's and I, in fact, you you had a Carl moment before, remember? Oh, yeah. Yes. And I'm, I'm back in it. Much, <laughs> yeah. This is very much my work because and the first time I did coral was 2005 and then after that I did it again in 2013 my motto has always been like beauty and my answer to sustainability before it became be, became really such an important issue in a fashion world is to create something uh, that people could keep it for a long time and even bring it out from your Take it out from a wardrobe after, uh, you know, many years, and mm-hmm. still be able to wear it. And eventually, hand it out to hand it down to your children, your daughters, because I don't do menswear, and it for feels for you know, hand, hand it down to your to your daughters. And um, I think that that is extremely important because I do not want to do trends. And obviously, my clothes are fashionable when they just, but I just want to do very beautiful things. I always remember I was in Chicago for a luncheon and um, and a woman came up to me wearing one of my um, coats, a Hoffman coat. It was actually a black coat with white satin applique on top of it. I wonder if you remember that coat. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's one of the very signature coats and inspired by the Viennese secession uh, Hoffman. And the woman said, you know, my house was on fire, but I managed to save three things, one of them being your coat. <laughs> I thought that was the most emotional moment for me because I like, said, wow. And then she and she wore it to the luncheon to come wow. and meet me. And, and that coat must be like about 18 years old or something like that, or more, even like 20 years old. Oh,
0: that's amazing. Yeah. How do you think the fashion industry has changed in the last 26 years?
1: I think change in such a way that everything has gone how should i say it is speed up and because i think that more and more um you know because of social media i think social media really changed our life you know you go to a store it's an ex- it's a very precious experience now i feel that going to a store to shop and shopping online are totally two different experiences because shopping i online i find it always I personally, whenever I do that, it's really difficult. I say you literally need an assistant to unpack your clothes, and <laughs> then you try it on. And then if you don't like it, you need to unpack it, to pack it back, and then send it back. It is a lot of work. What it is you're a lot of
0: work, it, it's yeah. It is
1: a lot of work. Whereas you go into a physical store, and I think, you know, you're being served, you go into a beautiful store, You someone will give you advice advice you've been tried on you'll take your your time to try it, and it's such an experience and i just think that even more even more so after the pandemic a physical story people people keep on saying oh traditional retail doesn't work anymore i said no even more so after the pandemic because you want that experience you've been sitting at home you've been shopping online for two years you can have olive oil, you can peanut butter, you can have <laughs> vitamins to you, and even flowers being left in front from you. But you want to go and meet people. It's such an experience. It's so wonderful. Yes. It is just so, cool. so. I just think that, you know, so all this who has about online, obviously, online has their own audience, and, you know, this is another matter. But I think more and more people will like to go back and it's to you know, to talk to the sales associate, going to a beautiful space and choose slowly because this is what you want after you know after such a long while.
0: And having them do the work for you, I think it's funny. We have on our contracts to work um, our sales team. Part one of the requirements to work there is that you're able to lift. I don't know what it is—fifteen pounds or something like that. There's some actual like part of the contract, and I always thought it was really weird. And now, I when I since I've been since I was sick, I never realized how physical the job is—the amount of things that we lift, and you know, tra- taking these gowns to people's cars or their houses. I mean, it's a, it's a really really physical job. Um, and wouldn't you rather somebody help you do that than having you do it yourself, for sure? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, it's true. And you know, packing, unpacking, sending it back is so much work. Oh, oh, and, it, and so it's much.
0: and it's also not sustainable. I mean, it's so
1: wasteful. No, but... it's not. It's <laughs> so not sustainable. And you know, you want to support, you know, the store, which is in your city that you could, you know, within in the vicinity or you can drive for a short distance or whatever but you know having things like flown in and and then flying back yeah yeah it's so not sustainable really
0: i have always really admired this about you you've always been such a positive person and i think even it was funny I asked you uh, in the middle of the pandemic, how has selling via Zoom um, been for you? And you said, "Oh, it's been fabulous. It's been wonderful. We've, you know, we've really enjoyed it." And I don't know that you really meant it, but I, I, I believed it when you said it, um, because you, you said it's been great because we have photos of every single piece. You can see every single angle of it. It's even better than in person. And um, I, I loved that you. I, I just love how positive you are, and in, in the face of all sorts of challenges, how do you? Where does does that come from? Is that something you've had your whole life?
1: I don't know. I think I'm Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always on the outside. I could be, you know, sometimes could be really negative and I'd be like really upset. I, okay. I don't know. I don't know the, the experience of depression that, that I, I've never experienced depression, which is an odd thing. I'm always like happy. And then, um, and I think, it is actually a very positive nature, and I'm an Aquarius, and I always believe that, you know, if God gives me lemon, I'll make the best lemonade. <laughs> I think that is, knows. I would like to think of it as a pop, as as a quality, you know, and uh, it, it's and it's also essential because fashion is hard. Yeah, it really <laughs> and especially is. Especially when you're talking about during the pandemic. I mean, we have to sell collection, and we still sell collections through Zoom. And a lot of people get used to it, and you know it's a different matter because it's a wholesale business. So you know we 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 do that with no choice. But I hey look, I we need to stay positive and get out of it, and then when we can start traveling again, then we do all happy things. So so <laughs> I always always keep myself extremely positive, and and I, I you know what I always have this to create something to look forward to. It could be a meal. It could be a piece of sculpture. I would say, "Oh, after this, I'll buy that sculpture, or oh, I have this meal at this restaurant," and that keeps me going. And I think, you know, I keep on creating things like that for me to look forward to something in life. And I think that's very, very important.
0: What do you hope for the next twenty-five years of your of your business?
1: Oh my God, that's a big question. Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I save the best for last. <laughs> well, I think I'll keep on working and keep on creating. And I—it's a funny thing because a lot of people think from the very beginning. I always want to keep my company quite small, and it's accidentally that we've grown to the size we're we're in right now. And we're in a lot of stores. We're doing quite a lot of business all over the world, and. In fact, I'm running my com- my company. I'm dare to say that, like like my own country, Singapore. <laughs> it, we do not pretend to be the biggest, but we want to be one of the very best and to be extremely efficient and successful. So, it's with that attitude that I'm going to continue my company and my line and my house for the next twenty five years. It's going to be really precious and not grow too big and bring beautiful things to all people that, to, who loves it.
0: During every podcast, we ask our guests what they wore to the prom. And I don't know that you would have had a prom in boarding school in England. Did you have, or did you have a formal dance?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't have a prom, no. no. We don't really have proms in there.
0: Well, did they yeah, have, we have formals?
1: we but we don't really have a graduation all the boys used to wear the little little three-piece suit and a tie and you're looking proper <laughs> and everything And we um, so all love you? to wear a big dress or something
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> what was your uniform like what did you wear um, at boarding school
1: well when until 14 we could actually we were wearing shorts which is really embarrassing oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and cold Fifteen fifteen. and I think at um after that for a levels you could start wearing slacks so that was the rules and um jackets when they in and during summertime or when you're wearing playing sports you normally wear your shirts and your and you tie your tie around your waist and you wear your little 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 slacks yeah it's very proper
0: and was it was the blazer like a gray flannel
1: yes with a little, oh, I love <laughs> little it. emblem there yeah <laughs> I love it, it was blue. Oh yeah.
0: well, Andrew, what a treat to be able to talk to you, and um, looking forward to seeing you this summer. And we'd love to have Absolutely. you come to Charlotte soon, maybe in the fall. I
1: love to. I miss my um, grits and shrimps. Remember <laughs>
0: <laughs> your your fried chicken, biscuits, grits, shrimp and grits, all of the things. <laughs> yeah, we'd love we love.
1: That. Yes. I miss coming to the south. Well, I look forward to seeing you, um, Laura, and let's get together very soon.
0: Thank you, Andrew.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
0: What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. War is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.